Hello and welcome to QIT's QPod, our investor podcast series. I'm Craig Valenzuela, Managing Director for Global Business Development at QIC. Being National Reconciliation Week, I'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. I would also like to pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. By now, everyone is becoming a bit more aware of the full impact COVID-19 has had across our financial markets. But that's not to say the opportunities for institutional investors have passed us by. A window of opportunity still persists. And joining me here today on QPod is Phil Mile, our Director of Credit Portfolio Management and Research in QIC's Liquid Markets Group. Welcome, Phil. Thanks, Craig. Good to be here. Now, Phil, today we're here to talk about credit. Back in March, your team recommended being overweight credit within our fixed income funds. And if anyone is interested, you can access that paper, History Never Repeats Itself, But It Often Rhymes, on our website, qic.com. So it's really great to have you join us to update our listeners on whether these compelling opportunities in investment-grade credit persist. And with some of our super funds currently experiencing bolster liquidity positions, generating a solid return above cash is a real attractive proposition for member retirement outcomes. So let me start by asking you to set the scene. What's created this window of opportunity? Well, Craig, in response to the coronavirus crisis, we've seen swift and extraordinary measures implemented by both governments and central banks alike. And in, with the RBA, that's the same situation. So in March, we saw the RBA cut to a record low interest rate of 25 basis points. They also implemented yield curve control and quantitative easing. But what's been, what the impact of that has been for money market rates is we've seen cash rates converge towards zero. Now this has created a problem for our clients with their liquidity portfolios because instruments that they typically invest in such as NCDs and term deposits for their cash portfolios are really creating a drag on their hurdle rates in these in the cash funds. Spreads are still elevated. So through March and April, Aussie dollar investment grade credit widened to levels we haven't seen since the European sovereign crisis in 2012. Whilst they've started to rally during April, May, they're still at very elevated levels. We're also seeing companies undertake defensive creditor-friendly measures to ensure they've got the balance sheet, flexibility and liquidity to ride out this crisis. Thanks, Phil. As you sort of pointed out there, it's, it's, it's been a long time since we had such monetary policy and fiscal policy injections into our economy. Uh, and with that comment in mind with regards to high-grade credit, What's available to our investors in this scenario? What's the first thing, Phil, they should have to consider? Well, I think for any client that wants to consider it, there's the, the key things really are, one is liquidity. So um, it's possible to get a smooth maturity profile, and that means you've got staggered maturities, which gives you access to your cash over time through those maturities. Another key thing to consider is security selection. So that's imperative, and at the moment, it's as crucial as it will ever be. Obviously, we're in a a deep recession or headed into a deep recession. And that's why we make the point that not all investment grade issuers are created equal. So security selection will mean doing the bottom up work, making sure you understand the cash flow generation of these companies, and also that they've got the levers and liquidity to successfully weather the crisis. If you get that right, then you can definitely look at optimizing your portfolio and capturing the incremental yield available through investment grade credit. But if you get it wrong, you can easily get your fingers burned. Thanks, Phil. And some of the key takeaways I took from that was around those three areas you said to focus on, which were liquidity, 
smoothing the maturity profile and security selection. So I want to unpack that a little bit further. In March, the world's credit spreads went wide. And whilst here in Australia, ours only tightened moderately, how or why, Phil, has the market bifurcation occurred? And has a geographic credit opportunity opened up for investors? Yeah, they're great questions, Craig. So in terms of what's going on across different regions, so some of the key drivers here are, are central bank responses. So we've seen, and again, sort of extraordinary responses from central banks globally, but particularly, um, well, definitely unprecedented measures from the Fed in the US and the size of its monetary stimulus program. So that that's 2.3 trillion in total of um, liquidity provision that the Fed has announced so far, and that includes $750 billion of credit purchasing programs. And we've seen similar large resounding measures from the ECB. Whereas in Australia, the RBA's focus of its QE measures has been government bonds and also some semi-government bonds, but they're not explicitly buying credit assets. So what that's meant in the US and offshore is that there's been great price discovery there's been a more positive market sentiment. And basically there's been massive amounts of issuance. So we've seen in March and April, we saw record issuance to the tune of over $200 billion in each of those months. Uh, so very, very large primary market supply. Uh, and in Australia, I guess the, the contrast was through March and April, this market was quite dysfunctional. We didn't have the confidence of investors. We were obviously seeing our clients needing to raise liquidity. and basically bid offers widened and there wasn't a lot of orderly trading in this market. So very slowly, that's starting to come back. So we've seen in May um, that sentiment's improving, the primary market has reopened and the, the deals from the likes of Woolworths, Credit Suisse, UBS and Macquarie Bank, they're all being very well received with strong order books. And that gives you confidence that this market is starting to operate in a more orderly function and and those opportunities that are still that are available you can actually start to grasp those through the primary market and also the secondary market thanks phil a follow-on question might be then does this divergence create any potential capital preservation risks that's definitely a great question craig particularly for for cash investors so what we would say in terms of the opportunity set if you think about high grade versus high yield High yield is probably not the space you want to be in for credit for cash funds. So high yield will be more volatile and default risk will also be higher for the issuers in that market. So we wouldn't be going there for cash funds, even though it could be an opportunity for alternative allocations. But IG, we do see as a lower risk solution here and particularly with security selection in mind. So I do think you want to make sure in terms of cap capital preservation that you're targeting the right issuers and the ones that you're convicted are going to ride out this crisis without significant rating migration and downgrade. Default risk in IG is generally low, but migration risk is present. And that's something we think security selection and bottom-up research will stand you in good stead to avoid. And Phil, just with regards to the bifurcation as well on the geographical level, is there any risk that Australian investors should be conscious of there, this, this idea that the, the Australian market hasn't, uh, hasn't moved quite as much as the offshore markets. Are there any other in, unintended risks we should be aware of? Well, I guess what we saw, the illiquidity in the Australian market um, and the more contained moves overall, they're, they're not things that you wouldn't expect in a crisis. So this market is not as deep as and liquid as say the European or the US dollar markets. But 
now that the markets have started to normalize, we think that the opportunity is there. And in Aussie dollar credit, it started to rally, but it's still elevated. So we've really covered now the opportunities on offer if you look through the geographic lens. Um, Can we please drill down now into the sectors? What are you seeing that you really like for investors, Phil, with that COVID representing a health crisis, but also a financial one? Do we avoid sectors such as the banking sector, as an example? No, I think the, the right way to look about this is it certainly started as a health crisis, Craig, and that's morphed into what, I, what we would say is an economic crisis and not a financial crisis. So what we're seeing is very high dispersion in terms of the performance across different industries in the credit universe. Um, but banks are very well placed to ride this out. And I'll talk to that in a moment. But some of the underperformers, it's quite interesting. So sectors that you would typically expect to be resilient in a normal crisis are actually underperforming in this crisis. And that would, and a prime example would be airports, which are right at the pointy end. And, and that's for obvious reasons why, with the heavier restrictions on air travel, meaning there's been a massive fall in passenger numbers. But if you talk about the banks, so systemically important banks, which would include the four domestic major banks here. So these banks have all entered this crisis in with very strong balance sheets. So the capitalization is more than double where it was going into the GFC. Uh, they've also got very strong liquidity and they've got supportive central banks that are making sure they've got the liquidity and, and the capital needed to ride out this crisis. So banks are very well placed going into it. And then there's other sectors as well that we like, and that would include um, more resilient sectors where you're still getting compensated by elevated spreads, but you're more confident in the cash flows of these businesses going forward. So that includes the likes of the utilities, telcos, and non-discretionary retail, such as Woolworths. Thanks, Phil. Uh, Thank you for sharing and detailing this timely and exciting opportunity to our investors. If you'd like more information on what was discussed today, please reach out to your QIC Relationship Manager. You can also visit our website, qic.com, and find a copy of Phil's latest credit paper, Attractive Opportunities in High-Grade Credit Are Here and Now, where a more detailed analysis of today's conversation can be found. Thank you for listening. Please look out for our next QPod and have a wonderful day.